After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Welcome, everyone, to a Baseball America podcast along with Aaron Fitt. My name is John Manuel. Thanking you so much for joining us here on Memorial Day. It's our top 25 usual college podcast, but this week a little bit more important than just top 25 rankings. The 64-team field has been announced. You've probably seen it if you're interested in this podcast. You're looking more for analysis. We're not going to read the whole thing. We're not going to tell you everybody who's in. That's all up at BaseballAmerica.com. That's all over Aaron Fitt's Twitter feed. That's all over our college blog. Check all those out. And we also want to remind you that we're coming to you from the DeMarini Demo House podcast nook. When it comes to buying a baseball bat, DeMarini just changed the game. Introducing Demo House where you can step into the cage and hit the latest from DeMarini before you buy because there's no substitute for hitting a real baseball or talking to people who know both bats and batting. Your demo time in the cage is free. Get the season started right. Visit your nearest Demo House today. Locations and full details can be found at DeMarini.com backslash Demo House. We want to thank DeMarini once again for joining us this year and sponsoring the podcast. Aaron, the 64-team field is out, and first and foremost, you deserve kudos. Eight for eight on the top eight national seeds, 16 for 16 on predicting the regional hosts, 63 for 64 on picking the field. So let's talk about the 64. That's the hardest part of what the uh, committee has to do, picking those 34 at-large seeds. I mean, we both got emails this weekend from the guys at Utah Valley advocating for Utah Valley being an at-large team. They did win their last 14 games at the Wolverines. Clint Berge lets us know all about that. They dominated the Great West. They did dominate the Great West Conference. I mean, they won their last 14. I think they swept through that conference tournament. That conference is basically an assemblage of independent teams. They do not have a automatic an automatic bid to the NCAA tournament. That's going to be interesting if they ever get an automatic bid. I don't know what the process is for that, but uh, we didn't really take Utah Valley seriously as an at-large team, but we did think – with really, there were f- several conference tournaments that were won by teams that wouldn't have gotten in otherwise. Talk about how that process evolved over the weekend and how Arizona wound up being Team 64, we think, with Kentucky being left out. Yeah, well, you know, certainly Arizona was the team, the one team that I, that I missed, and I think all the other predictors missed as well. Uh, and, and I thought that they had a chance. I mean, they were my last team out because they do have a strong RPI, because they did win a series early against Fullerton believe they won a series against Washington State and Oregon as well. I mean, so there's some things you can hang your, your hat on there uh, if you're Arizona. They just, you know, they just really fell apart down the stretch, though. I mean, they lost their last six-weekend series, including really bad series against Cal State, Bakersfield, and USC. Um, so I, I thought that the cold finish would keep them out. But, I mean, I think it's perfectly defensible that they're in. Certainly over – compare them with Kentucky. I mean, take your pick. I mean, Kentucky – uh, had some bad losses too, especially the last weekend down in Georgia. But it seems they, like it seems like when you're talking about Kentucky, that's really what left them out. I think the, that's you, it. You, losing that series of Kentucky to Georgia, 
when Georgia was just a brutal team the rest yeah. of the year. And you know both those teams, uh, you know, had a lot of a lot of good wins. I mean, I think Kentucky was 16 and 18 against the top 50 in the RPI, which is I have to imagine better than any other bubble team in this discussion. Yeah, it had to be. Um, but uh, you know that's which is why I was a little surprised that Kentucky got omitted, and I was particularly surprised that the ninth place team in the SEC, uh, which has gotten in a number of times, was left out in favor of the ninth place team in the ACC, which has never even sent eight teams to regionals. This year, the ACC does send eight teams to regionals, as does the Pac-10. Uh, and one of the teams it sends missed the ACC tournament, which has never happened before. North Carolina is the team we're talking about here. Right. I think the one thing is that that ninth-place team has never been a team that went to Omaha four years in a row. Yeah. I think that helped North Carolina. I know the committee says it doesn't. The other thing is I think the, the team that – the tiebreaker between North Carolina and Boston College for that eighth place was really arbitrary. I should say arbitrary. I, yeah. I, it's not arbitrary as far as the ACC goes, right, right. but it is arbitrary in the grand scheme of who's better for the NCAA tournament. Boston College or North Carolina? I think North Carolina's rem- resume is stronger, Much stronger than Boston There's College's. There's no debate there. I, I don't think Boston College was really that close. So that's why I think uh, – that's why I use that word arbitrary. Because, yes, it does matter when you're lining up the teams for the conference tournament. But when you're lining them up for the field of 64, I think it's pretty clear. So, that's, mm-hmm. so in my mind, North Carolina was really the eighth-place team in the ACC. They tied for eighth. Uh, I'm not trying to give them a break. But I think that's why they got in. I think if they were, I think if they were a game or two behind Boston College, I don't think they would have gotten in. To be honest right. with you, I think they had the fig leaf of being tied for eighth. And you know what else? I think this is really important. If you're going to miss your conference tournament and still get into the NCAA tournament, it really, really helps to finish strong. And you know, North Carolina did absolutely. They, they swept the really good Virginia Tech team in the last weekend. Virginia Tech, of course, then bounced back and won two games against ranked teams in the ACC tournament, which made what UNC did look even better. Uh, you know, Carolina won three of his last four weekend series. I mean, they, they finished strong. I think that, you know, certainly finished stronger than Kentucky. But, no again, doubt. that makes me wonder how Arizona got in. I mean, it's like I said, it's okay. I'm fine with Arizona. I'm not outraged like you and I were. We were outraged we were last year. We were on the warpath this time last year. This is a much more mellow podcast because I think, frankly, because the, the pool of teams on the bubble were really mediocre. Yeah. And there weren't, we felt, there weren't any good teams. Like last year, Rhode Island, we thought, did everything it could possibly have been asked of a Northeastern team to get in as a large team. And they were left out for, you know, frankly, bottom of the barrel Big 12 teams. Right. And there was a – it just looked terrible last year. It was I terrible. Thought. Missouri State as well as a team last year that I really thought deserved to be in. Uh, you know, Eastern Illinois, you, you can make a case for them. I mean, there were – last year – we've talked enough about last year. That's right. Last year was a bad, bad field. This, I think, is a very solid field, and, and – you know, there were there were a couple of, of small surprises, small head scratchers, and I'll go over those real quickly. Uh, I thought Cal was a surprise as a number two seed. I thought Cal getting in was deserved. Deserved. I thought but Cal but getting in as a two seed yeah. was not deserved. They earned their way in by winning that weekend series at, at Oregon this weekend. I agree with you, and, and it helps that they swept. Uh, I believe they swept their series with Arizona, which is another bubble team. They swept. Right. Uh, they had that split with Rice. They had that split with Rice. They won a game against Arkansas early. I mean, I think the committee probably liked that they played a good non-conference schedule. Absolutely. I was still a little surprised, though, that, you know, frankly, I had a hunch coming in that it's a Cal team that didn't get to 30 wins. And Cal gets victimized, it seems like, they, frequently There's by no the doubt. I mean, this team's resume doesn't seem stronger than the 2008 team's resume. The 2008 team got a three seed, and this team gets a two. That's surprising. I, I thought that North – and that was the last bracket revealed on TV. So yeah. UNC and Cal 
both the lab, I thought both bubble teams, yep. we were sitting there blogging, maybe these teams are both getting left out. And not only did they not both get left out, they're both in the same regional, and Cal is a two. I yeah. honestly feel we're, we're going to go over this later this week when we have our epic podcast where we rank the regionals and break down every single regional. You won't want to miss that. That's really a ridiculous podcast. But that makes that one of the weaker regional fields in terms of the strength. The Oklahoma regional, right. you have an Oral Roberts team that did not even finish first place in the Summit League. Yeah, they won the tournament and they won the league again. This is not your your older brother's Oral Roberts team. It's just not as strong yeah. as their team have been historically. Yes, North Carolina has been to Omaha four years in a row. But it's clearly not. It's clearly a team that barely got in. I've had and then Cal, I, I, I think, is the weakest number two seed in terms of resume. Maybe I should save this nugget, but I've had Say it. not one but two separate scouts telling me that this is the worst North Carolina team in the last two decades. Wow, I think that's an overstatement since they didn't make regionals a couple times I in know. those last two well, decades. Well, I mean, you can make a case. Maybe they shouldn't have made regionals. I mean, the, 19, year, but. the 1997 team went 6-18 in, in, in the ACC. All of that team had talent with Kyle Snyder and uh, Mike Bynum and Brian Roberts all as freshmen on that club. That was the team that wound up being a very good team the next two years, but I would take issue with that team. But in terms of talent, this North Carolina team in the field is – just not a strong position right. player team. So, but but that said, I mean, I I, I'm, I thought they would get in and they got in, and I and I think it's it's good. I think it's fine. I I honestly think they earned their way yeah. in. If they hadn't won, if they had won two of three against Virginia Tech, they wouldn't have gotten in. I agree right? with you. They, I think they, they earned sw- their way in also. Did what they had to do by sweeping that series. A uh, couple other surprises. The Citadel is a number three seed. Was to me a little bit of a surprise. Uh, they won the SoCon regular season and conference Just tournament. About to say Citadel versus Cal. In terms of resumes, Citadel's a two. Well, Cal's even, a three for me. How about even Citadel versus College in Charleston, which did not win the regular season or conference tournament, which Citadel did in the same conference. Uh, how does Charleston get <laughs> a two over over Citadel as a three? I don't know, but well, uh, non-conference schedule I, I yeah. think was a lot stronger for College. Yeah, Charleston had that nice, you know, nice midweek win against Coastal down the stretch, and I mean Charleston, I, I think was Charleston also played that weekend series against uh, Alabama, which is really one of Alabama's best things that it did all year. Charleston is worthy as a two seed. I'm not, I'm not really taking issue with that. I just thought why Citadel, Citadel was three. also. I agree with and, you. And, and if Charleston can be a two, I mean, there's they're separated. They're separated league, by right? they're se- no, it's three. Three big league. I'm they're sorry. separated by three spots in the RPI. How do you take the team that, you know, the team that won? I don't know. It, it's not that big of a deal. It's not a big deal, but that is a good point. They're separated by only three spots in RPI. So you know their RPI percentages were probably quite close together because yeah. there's a raw number that's spit out by the RPI. And then you're talking about they're in the same conference and Citadel won the league and the tournament and Charleston did not. That yeah, although, and, although Boyd has Charleston six spots ahead. Warren Norland had three, Boyd six. So it's, it's comparable RPIs. Is the com- comparable RPIs, and you're also talking about two teams that are in the same city. Yeah. So it shouldn't be that hard to evaluate those two teams. And but um, I would actually – and uh, one thing to watch with Citadel is Asher Woj. Asher Wojciechowski pitched on three days rest to win that conference tournament championship game, and he also threw on four days rest earlier in the tournament. So he threw – maybe no, it was five days rest – not as usual one week. So we'll see how that affects Asher Woj going forward. I just wanted to say Asher Woj sure. one more time. I was surprised Virginia was the number five national seed, and that doesn't matter. I mean, once you're a national seed, you're a national seed. I don't you think don't, it matters you don't, either. You don't get a break if you're the number one seed versus the eight. They, they only see the top eight, and then the next eight number one seeds are all considered nines. Right. So it doesn't matter at all. It's basically geography after it's that. It's geography. But I was just surprised. I, mean, I don't know how the heck – 
you know, Weiser said today they had a vote, and 70% of the vote had Virginia as the five. I, I don't understand how that's possible when you look at the resume, but that's not important. Well, again, I think you look at the RPI, and, and it tells you that Coastal Carolina has this ridiculous RPI. Even so, Virginia's third. And where's, where's Coastal? Coastal's two. I just don't, I, that, that's what tells you. Yeah. That's, that's all. That's the only way that you would think that a team from the Big South, and that's not, no offense to Coastal Carolina, yeah. they deserve being a top eight national seed. No they doubt. just don't deserve to be a top eight national seed ranked ahead of Virginia. Yeah, exactly. I, don't, I don't think there's any case that's, for that. That's just a shocker. But, it's the, again, not a big deal. Not um, a big deal. Texas holding on to the number two national seed, does that surprise you, considering yeah, they just yeah. got swept last week in the Big 12 tournament? It didn't surprise me a ton. I don't think there's much a ton of difference between the top four teams in my mind, Arizona State, Virginia, uh, Texas and Florida. I right. think you could have had them in any order, but but I did think that Texas would be a spot or two lower after going 0 and 3 in the conference tournament. And Weiser mentioned on the teleconference that some committee members took issue with that 0 and 3 performance. So I was surprised that they're still number two seed. They are still number two seed. What surprised? What else surprised you? I guess, Aaron, or disappointed you? Impressed you? There, uh... LSU as a two seed. The, the UCLA regional is is that's the toughest regional this year. Um, Boy, that's tough for the Bruins as a number six national seed. You get the defending national champs coming in, the current SEC champs. LSU is a team that's playing with a lot of confidence, playing very well right now. You get UC Irvine, uh, nice rematch there of the uh, yeah, 08 Super Regional between right. Irvine and LSU. That's right. Curious to see if Daniel Bobona will be back from his little tender elbow in time to pitch against LSU. But uh, uh, one thing about that that helps UCLA is you have to imagine both the Tigers and Anteaters are going to have to use their big guns in the first against game. Against each other. Um, so, you know, maybe – and UCLA's got three guns anyway. It doesn't even matter who they throw in their right. first game. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that was – that's a tough regional. And Fullerton – Here's my my counter to that being the yeah. toughest regional is UCLA is good and obviously earned it this year, but yeah. has been – hasn't been to Omaha since no, 1997. Right. Doesn't have a lot of history of doing great in the postseason. LSU does have history, but let's face it, this team is flawed. Yeah. Yep. This LSU team is flawed. Yes, they have Anthony Renato back, but Matty Ott, as you blogged, isn't quite back. No. His stuff is down. They did pitch well, and they did play well in the SEC tournament this year, and they are extremely well coached. Obviously, Palmineri was able to get this team back on track in the SEC tournament, but it's still a flawed ball club. No, no and question. There's another no right. way to put it. And you know what and else? Then, and then you know, UC Irvine is pretty weak. We how they'd be good this year? They're really not that good. They're a three seed. They are, they, just, they are a three seed by right. They earned being a three seed and no more. Yeah. And Kent State's fine, but I, I that, don't that think is, it's I don't think it's exceptionally. It's a good regional, and especially in this year's field, it is a good regional. Yeah. But it's nothing exceptional. It's, it's not a group it's of not deaths. like you're. No, you're right, John. You're right. I mean, it's not like it's not even come close to last year's Irvine regional where exactly. you've got you've got the team that should have been in our, in our opinion the number one national seed in Irvine. Maybe. Right. I mean, certainly was, they had they had a very good resume very, to be the number one team overall sure. last year. You've got, and you know, they had Virginia coming in, which I thought should have been a one seed. Should have been a one seed and a host. You had Strasburg and, and, and Fresno. I mean, that, that was much more. This, you've got all the all these teams are seated properly. LSU should be a two on the road. Totally agree. Irvine should be a three on the road. I mean, it's so it's it's you're right. I mean, from that perspective, it's fine. Because to me, like a tough regional, I don't even know that I'd say one is stands out in terms of just being so much more difficult. Because again, I do think, to the committee's credit, most of the teams. Are seated properly. Yeah. I don't. I, I think Texas Christian has a very difficult super regional matchup. Yeah. I thought TCU got a very favorable regional matchup. I, if Arizona's going to get in, it's a four seed. I know they have a left automatic bid to fill the four, but Arizona for me last team in, 
an extremely young team as well. Yeah, a team that, and a team that didn't have to go on the road at all or non-conference. Which was good coaching. That's smart yep. for Andy Lopez. you got your young team. You're rebuilding kind of. Play 40 games at home. More power to you. You have the right to do that. I'm not criticizing that. You shouldn't be rewarded when you do that, and then you lose your last six weekend series. You know, if, if Arizona loses a weekend series to Cal State Bakersfield and bounces back and wins a regional, and those other teams should hang their heads. Yeah. You know, and, then, and then Baylor is going to win that regional. Oh yeah, I have no doubt they will. And Baylor, to me, should have been a three seed, not a two seed. I thought they were a They're fringe borderline. two three. In fact, right. in, in my last projection, my my last debate was who was my last number two, and originally I had Baylor in, and then I flip flopped them with Oregon. Um, and, and Oregon State is also a team that I thought was a fringe 3-2. Correct. Surprisingly, Oregon State rebounded enough to put itself in position to be in that discussion. Which was great that re- Oregon yeah. State, good for, I think it's a great year for the state of Oregon to oh, have yeah. both Oregon yeah. and Oregon State in regionals. That? that is awesome. That it is, is awesome. tremendous. And, and, you know, in both those teams, I think I had them as twos. They're fine as threes. Right. Oh, yeah, and that's what I'm saying. I, I, don't, I think the committee did a great job. I, just, yeah. I think that's a pretty weak regional. I, you're going to have, yeah. to me, Baylor is one of the bottom twos. There's no way, other way to put it. They're one of the weaker twos. No question. And then Arizona is one of the weaker threes by definition. No They're question. One of the, no question. One of the last teams to get in. Uh, you know, to me, the other kind of interesting uh, regionals, I, I, one thing that we need to discuss, you discussed it a lot leading up to it, was UConn. We pegged that UConn was going to be a host. Uh, we pegged that early on in the in the spring, really, that once UConn was getting hot, had that win streak, we found out they could host a Norwich. You did what reporters do. You actually contacted the coach to see if they were going to put in a bid, and he said they were going to. So UConn took care of its business. Uh, they're hosting let's, in Norwich. Yeah, let's talk about about the, the field there because – Right, the um, field and the fact for, that Florida State right. is the number one seed and not UConn. Just your thoughts on that. For most of the spring – once we decided that UConn was likely to host, I had UConn hosting as a number two. Mm-hmm. And even this week, I think, uh, is my stock really report on Monday. Tuesday. Yeah, my Tuesday. stock report on Tuesday, and all the way up until <laughs> late last night, um, I had Florida State as the one seed. In Mark Etheridge threw you off, didn't he? He did. Mark Etheridge. Mark Etheridge. The Mark Etheridge nugget. Mark, if you're listening, this is all your fault. <laughs> um, I, uh, he, you know, the, the point was made that of the six teams in the last five years that have hosted with 20-plus RPIs, of the eight teams, I should say, that have hosted. Six of them hosted were the ones. ones. And so, I mean, I looked, the exceptions I looked were at who? Michigan, and, Michigan and Arizona State that year when Coastal was out there as the one seed. I believe it was Coastal. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so, you know, I looked at, at UConn's resume. I mean, and, and, and Weiser said that they were very close, their resume in Florida State's. Um, I do think North Florida State had a much more deserving number one resume. I agree. I would have had Florida State as a host over Arkansas personally, but it sounds like that wasn't even a, a, a consideration for the committee, and that's fine. Uh, eh, not really. I mean, I mean, I mean, it, it's it's hard Arkansas to separate. Arkansas fell those apart teams. down the stretch, if you ask me. They had but one they, good though, weekend. They, they had two good weekends. Two they, good weekends. They won a series at Vanderbilt, and two weeks before that, they won a series at Ole Miss. So, okay, that's like, good. Even though they lost ten of the last fifteen games, they did have two good weekends in the last four. That's where I'm thinking five and ten in your last fifteen games, and then punting the SEC tournament. To me, the, the difference there might be the cash register. Although Florida State's going to pack them in, nobody yeah. packs them in like Arkansas except for LSU. Yeah. So I wonder if the cash register was. A, I mean, was a to me, the, to me, the difference between those two teams. If you're going to make a case in Arkansas's favor, I like Arkansas non-conference better. I like that they went out and played Cal. Better than Florida State. Games. I mean, I like that they went out and played Cal. Did Florida games. State play a pretty good one? Yeah, I mean, Florida State did. I mean, they, you know, they played Georgia. Which was supposed to be a good series. Yeah, it's hard. That's a tough one. Uh, they played three mid, four midweek games against Florida. I mean, yeah, Florida State played a fine midweek uh, non-conference series too. But but Arkansas got out and played some teams out of their region. Um, you know, I think that was a, a factor. I mean, again, I, I would have I would have given a slight edge to Florida State, especially after they won their conference tournament and in, in Arkansas punted. 
Um, but you know, I'm not gonna. Try I think to the fact that Florida State that. got swept by Clemson the last weekend of the regular season really Jordan. hurt their, their chances. They were a lock host until the last regular season weekend, and all of a sudden, if they just don't lose one of those games. You win your ACC division, yep. and you win the conference tournament. There's no way you're not a host. There's no question. As it is, though, they still were second in their division and won the ACC tournament. And the ACC has two top eight national seeds, and one of them is not. It doesn't make sense to me that Florida State's not a host. I think Florida State gets it on the road because Florida State travels better than other teams. They travel with their fans, and it's a nationally recognized brand. And there are a lot of Florida State fans all around the country, and if they're going to send somebody to Connecticut, they want it to be someone. I'm surprised they didn't send North Carolina there. But they're going to send a big brand name to Norwich to help UConn draw. That's the bottom line. So I I think they can't admit that. They can never admit that. But I think the cash register played a uh, a little factor there. Arkansas draws so well. Aaron, uh, other thoughts, I guess, about this regional. I wish I had a cough button on this machine, but I don't. Um, uh, the teams that got left out, Wichita State, Florida Gulf Coast, Kentucky, we talked a little bit about. Any of those teams really have a really big beef? No. No, they don't. I mean, uh, it's why, you know, I, uh, that's why I think I posted on Twitter uh, a few minutes before this election show that the committee was going to have a hard time making me outraged today because they, uh, you know, they, they really um, – all the at-large teams were defensible for the most part. I, I I couldn't see you know the committee reaching for Kansas or you know some crazy Texas Tech, some some Big 12 team that didn't deserve it. There was no way that they they could have done that this year. I mean they were just um, you know Arizona was fine. I mean I wouldn't right. have put them in, but they were fine. Right. Um, you know the, who who was more deserving? Was Kentucky more deserving? Yeah, maybe. Not really. Not really. I mean Wichita only had two wins over the top fifty, three wins over the top fifty. And their big road series. Win was Florida Gulf Florida Coast, Coast, and they didn't get in either. Right. So it's like it's almost like if Florida Gulf Coast had gotten in, that would have been one less at large spot for somebody else. Yeah. But that turned out not to be true because uh, they that, that would just they just t- Florida Gulf Coast would have just taken the place of whoever won who won that league Mercer. Mercer. So they would have just taken Mercer's place. Yep. Then you would have had Wichita State maybe have a better case to get in. I think that's true. But as it is, I mean Florida Gulf Coast had. Yeah, they were three and eight against the top fifty. I mean, you look at Liberty; they were zero and seven against the top fifty. Texas State, uh, two and ten. I mean, none of these teams had quality wins. When you compare them with Cal yeah. or Arizona, certainly even. I mean, they just team, don't have the quality wins. Liberty is a team that you kind of wonder, like, in, for Liberty, their whole season almost comes down to boy, you just had to beat Coastal Carolina once. That's it. You they just had to it. do it. Couldn't do it. And if you'd done that. You might have gotten it, you know. I agree with you. I don't. I don't. I think this is one of the better jobs the committee yeah. has done in years. Obviously, the membership keeps on changing, but this committee had, I think, a very difficult choice because that m- the middle was so muddled. Right. Then you had Southern Miss win a conference tournament. You had to take away an at-large spot because yeah. they weren't getting in. Florida International again. Mercer really didn't take anybody's spot. Florida right. International kind of did. They did because the Sun Belt was not going to get three. Right. It's probably a two-bid league unless unless Florida Atlantic or Lafayette lost. Who else took a bid uh, this weekend in a conference tournament? Because Mercer really ended up not taking a bid. If they took yeah. anyone's bid, they took Florida Gulf Coast. Uh, there, let's see. So there was uh, Southern Miss we talked about. Um, I don't think there were a I lot of other teams that took bids. You know, bids. I think that's it. I mean, because the Southland only got one. Texas State didn't end up getting in. Um, oh, I know who. St. John's took a bid. St. John's took a bid, but they basically took it they, from they Pitt. They basically took it from Pitt, because I think Pitt probably would have gotten in. Although, the way they finished, maybe they, I don't think Pitt would have gotten in, even if St. John's hadn't won that thing. I think you're right. Um, I think St. John's took a bid from maybe from Kentucky, yeah. but uh, or, or or a Pitt, something uh, like that. A week ago, I thought Pitt was in good shape. Then they lost that doubleheader to South Florida. They went 1-2 in the Converse tournament. They dropped into the 
you know, mid to late 50s in the RPI, and that, that wasn't going to get it done. So Sealed I, their fate. we got some emails at podcast at baseballamerica.com. We're going to run through these before we end the podcast. Rob in New York says, does the selection committee have it out for UVA? We had two emails like this. After such a strong season, their place number five, have to go up against Ole Miss and St. John's just to get out of a regional. I would say those teams have to go up against Virginia. Yeah. If you're a Virginia fan, you shouldn't think about, wow, I have to play Ole Miss. Ole Miss went 16-14 and 14 in the SEC. You should Ole take Miss care is of nothing them. special. And while not quite the regional of death they face in 09, it seems to be a little out of whack. Your thoughts? Don't agree. I mean, okay. I think Ole Miss is a run-of-the-mill number two seed. I, in my original okay. production, I had them sent to Arizona State, which was the number one overall seed. Yeah. I mean, I, I you're going to beat, you're gonna have to beat Drew Pomerantz? Drew Pomerantz is no Steven Strasburg. And you might not He's have really to beat Drew, Drew Pomerantz. They might have to throw him against St. John's. Yeah, I think yeah, right. I don't think they want to look past St. John's. I mean, that, that St. John's is, is playing with confidence. I mean, they won 38, 40 games. Eddie Blank. Eddie Blank Eddie was Blank all over Meyer. early. He said it. He said it in February. He says, Aaron, I, I, I've been coaching a long time. I know when i got a regional team in my hand, and, and I got one. We're, we're back. That's awesome. <laughs> if only, he was right. If only you had Charlie Bilodzikson on this year's team so I could make some more Harry Carey, Charlie Bilodzikson references. That was a player from 10 years ago with one of my favorite all-time Armenian names, Charles Bilodzikson. Anyhow, um, Ryan Jenkins asks, why does the team, why does it seem the committee is more interested in forcing teams from the same region to play each other in the Super Regional rather than ensuring the best teams make it to Omaha. Um, he's got a lot of other examples. The committee is apparently not interested in making sure the best teams actually have a chance to make it to Omaha. I would take UCLA, Fullerton, Texas, and TCU over any of those so-called power conference teams like Georgia Tech, Florida State, Miami, South Carolina, et cetera. And you know, only two can go to Omaha because of bad matchups. You've got to win the, the, the matchups against the teams in your part of the country in general. That's how it works. That's how it works for out west. That's how it works for the, the Carolinas. That's how it works for the state of Florida. That's how it works for the state of Texas. So basically, you have to. They want to keep travel costs down as low as they can. It's just reasonable. It is reasonable. reasonable. I mean, yeah. It's is it unfortunate for TCU that it's they got to go through Austin? Yeah. It's also a safety issue. They always if you can take the bus over flying, they want you taking the bus. Period. That's yeah. just the bottom line. That's that's money, and that's also a safety issue. Uh, we also had Kevin Boggs. On the Facebook page, facebook.com backslash Baseball America, 64-team field is going up now, I, I wrote, and he responded, Why do you th- what do you guys think is the best strategy for number one seed selecting pitching rotation for the weekend? Do you go with the ace versus the four, or do you save them for the hopeful matchup on Saturday? It depends on your four. I think if you're Cal State Fullerton and you're facing Seth Rosine in Minnesota in the first game, <laughs> sorry, uh, then, then you throw your ace, whoever your ace is. I mean, is I guess Noe Ramirez is the ace for Fullerton, but they're pretty interchangeable, the rotation. That's the thing for Fullerton. That, that's the best scenario. You could throw Dylan Flora if you want to, who's like your Absolutely. ace of the last month against but, the number but four. But against Seth Rosine, I mean, that's the best pitcher they're going to see in that regional by a lot, I think. Um, but I think they need to throw their biggest gun in that game. But if you're... You know, if you're Miami facing Dartmouth, I think I think you save Chris Hernandez. You know, if you're, um, you know, I'm trying to find another example, Louisville. I mean, I think you save Thomas Royce rather than throw him against St. Louis. Like Texas, you have three aces. You don't care. You just throw right. Him. But I think you save Youngman. I mean, I Cole, Cole Green's been struggling. I think he's probably the guy you throw against Ryder to get him going. That's a good point. I do think I, I basically I'd say I would sum up my philosophy as if you've got a good number four, if you have to, if you think you have to throw your ace against them to beat the number four seed. Uh, you're probably not good enough anyway to win a regional, in my opinion. I mean, I know there's some good number four seeds out there, but if you're the number one, you should be able to beat the number four with your number two guy. To be a really true national championship contender, a national champion, you're going to have to have more than yeah. one great starter. Yeah. So right. I would save my ace for the second game. That's so what usually happens. And this, I thought, 
uh, by and large, was a particularly weak crop of number fours. I mean, when I was breaking them down last night, doing working on my projection, I had too many too many teams that should have been number fours. I had to make some threes. I mean, I had to make yeah. Illinois State with an 85 RPI. That's a four seed profile. They were a three because there were so many teams that just weren't better. <laughs> wow, that's that is kind of brutal. I mean, that's that's why you talk about Arizona as a four seed. They weren't even close to being a four seed with that RPI. Given all the, I mean, Illinois State's a three. You're right. Yeah, Illinois State being a three with an eye opener. Kudos to Mark Kingston. Um, yeah. Came, Mark Kingston. I mean, what an amazing coaching job in his he first might be year. Our college over there. coach of the year, except for the fact that Tim Esme yeah. is the interim coach at Arizona uh, State, takes over in, in November, doesn't have his ace in Josh Spence all year, and all he does is win the Pac-10. And they have the number one overall seed. Amazing. Uh, Esme, amazing. Esme and Horton has to be in the discussion, too. I mean, he does. You know, he does. Second, second program. Pack, second program, uh, second year of that program back in the Pac-10 to, to make regionals. Uh, no doubt. It's impressive. But, but Esme is the front runner. There's no question. Yeah, there's no question. And, uh, you know, like if Illinois State goes and wins the whole thing, that's why we don't name it until the end of the year. Yeah. If Illinois State goes and wins the whole national championship, well, I think you'll know who our who our coach of the year will yeah. be. It'll be Mark Kingston. Kevin Tokarski is going to have to hit about 900 for that to happen. I like that name, though, Kevin Tokarski. He might go on the all-name team, which is still, for me, headed up by Quintavious Drains. Quintavious Drains. Jackson State. Uh, Very disappointed. By the nation le- wins, I think. Very disappointed that Quintavious Drains is not going to be in the postseason. Aaron, last thing we have to mention, talk a little bit about uh, the SEC tournament experience. And, and also, well, the two things I wanted to, we could we should wrap the podcast, but Garrett Whittle's hit streak, you kind of mentioned that. Yeah. 54 games, that's insane. And then just talk a little bit about going to the SEC tournament for the first time and what that was like. Well, I'll start with Whittles because that's kind of the talk of college baseball right now, and uh, even getting talk in non-college baseball circles. Fifty-four games is unbelievable. He's two games away from Jolton Joe. That I is mean, amazing. Uh, Medal or not, that's amazing. And you know, Robin Ventura's fifty-eight game hitting streak is one of the most, I think, sacred, revered numbers records in in college baseball. I no mean, doubt. What comes close? I don't think Incavilia, even with you know the home People, run record. No, nobody knows Pete Incavilia yeah. forty-eight. Nobody exactly. knows it. Everybody who knows anything about college baseball knows Robin Ventura. Exactly. A- at least people who are our age, especially. And if you know Robin Ventura was a big leaguer, you watched the big leagues all those years, it always got mentioned with Robin Ventura. And also, it ended in the College World Series. It was really a huge moment Against in college Stanford baseball history. Against premier pitcher. Jack McDowell and Al Osuna, who both went on to the big leagues. And it, it ended on national television. And it was it helped college baseball come of age in the yeah, 80s. Yeah. There's no doubt about so it. So the fact that Garrett Whittles, the guy who, coming into the, the spring, uh, was regarded – you know, they, they expected him to contribute more on the mound, John, than than with the bat. I mean, he was not wow. projected as a starter after fall practice. He was a guy, you know, they put in their questionnaire, he's 90-93 off the mound, and he could be a guy, he could be a factor in our bullpen. Uh, here he is starting in the middle infield. He's got a 54-game hitting streak. I mean, it's just remarkable. That is remarkable. That is just truly amazing. And then, uh, Aaron, I think also amazing the way that, to me, every other conference tournament is a joke with a capital J from bad formats, to lack of fan attendance, to the fact that it um, doesn't really reward you. As a conference, you're usually not rewarding your best team uh, with a tournament bid if you're yeah. letting some random team win your conference tournament. And baseball should you know, should reward regular season success. Absolutely. But the SEC tournament stands out as a tournament that even when teams like Arkansas punt on it, other teams, it matters to other teams, and their fans in that league care about it. Just talk about that experience. Yeah, I mean, it was unbelievable. I mean, to me, the thing that really stood out more than anything was the Sunday game, Alabama against LSU, which they knew was going to draw a huge crowd um, because Alabama had been drawing all week huge crowds, and LSU always travels well, and they had been drawing pretty well. 
Um, but, you know, it poured in the morning. I mean, it was just downpour. Um, sheets of rain? Up until sheets of rain, until maybe 11 o'clock or, or noon. I mean, it was really coming down. The game was going to start at 1. So the, the game starts, and, and they fill up the seating bowl. I mean, it had to be somewhere between twelve and 15,000 people there. Uh, and we got a delay. And, you know, it was an hour and 20-something minutes or something like that, I believe. Um, usually when that happens, the, the crowd that comes back is nowhere near what it was. But all these people hung around. I mean, play resumed, and they filled right back in. It was unbelievable. You it's just awesome. don't. You, that is what really stuck out to me. You just don't see that very often. SEC baseball fans are the best fans in college oh, baseball. Oh, it's not even a question. When it's it comes to intensity, close. I mean, you know, SEC fans give me a lot of guff because they care the most. That's they, right. They do. They really, they, you know, and... They're like 15. We, 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 we sometimes have groused about the West Coast fans. Leave it leave with the West Coast bias and all this stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, just, the, the reason is it's like the same 20 guys. Right, know? right. No offense to those guys. Actually, you know, thank God for those guys. That they're people who give a damn about college baseball in the West. You know, we were talking about best matchups earlier this year, and like the Pomeranz Renato matchup. Have we ever had one close to that? And we looked up Seth Etherton against Jeff Austin, number one and number five teams in the country, two first round picks. There were less than 1,000 people at that game. That was 12 years ago, but still. Yeah. Stanford, USC, it's still the same way. Nobody comes. Nobody cares on the West Coast about college baseball. Not enough people who go to games. And really, shame on fans in the West. And not the West Coast college baseball fans, but the rest of the people who just don't go and pay attention. But in the SEC. They bring it. They bring it at basically sure all do. twelve schools. It's awesome. Right? It is. It is outstanding. And there was, you know, that uh, the other thing I guess I have to mention before we, we end this thing, that Auburn Alabama game to open the tournament at nine thirty in the morning on a Wednesday. Yeah. And you got the place just rocking, packed. I mean, traffic was was unbelievably bad to get in there. <laughs> it took me the rest of the week. It took me five minutes to get from my my hotel to the ballpark. Uh, it took me forty five minutes at least. Uh, to get in there uh, on, on on Wednesday morning. You didn't have the uh, cop car like in the like in the, the hangover. You can go on the side sidewalk and drive your no, way through. No, I'm afraid not. That's too bad. But but anyway, the crowd was terrific. Um, you know, for that game, it was half and half, and you know, War Eagle, Roll Tide, all that kind of stuff. I mean, it was it was a lot of fun. And, and, and Jimmy was, Nelson dealt. And Jimmy Nelson dealt. I and mean, that's the other, the other thing, of course, that stands out is the level of of talent um, on display there. I and mean, that first day. Uh, we counted at least 12 scouting directors, at least two, maybe three GMs. Wow. I mean, there were, you know, every club had multiple scouts, and why not? I mean, you had Jimmy Nelson in the first game. You had Anthony Renato, who pitched very well. Jimmy. You had uh, Sonny mm-hmm. Gray in the late game, but not, not that they stuck around for that. Drew Pomeranz, of course, as well. So, I mean, you, you had all kinds of great arms. Um, I think it was a great showcase for the league. Anthony Renato, very good last week. Seems to be back on track. I mean, he... Uh, I wasn't there, unfortunately, for the last two innings uh, last night because I uh, had, had to catch my to catch. flight and the, the delays, the rain delay th- threw me off. But uh, it sounds like Renato was very good last night in relief for LSU. So maybe he's back on track just in the nick of time. Um, LSU is certainly playing with a lot of confidence, and they were very impressive this week. I mean, it's like they flipped the switch. You know, they're the Boston Celtics, John. They <laughs> everyone wrote them off um, two months ago or a month ago. And and Anthony Renato they are. Ray John Rondo, I suppose. Yeah, Renato, or I guess I guess Renato uh, Rod, Rondo. They sound alike. Blake That's why Dean, maybe uh, the rejuvenated Blake Paul Dean's Pierce. Like he's a veteran. He's like the Paul Pierce, yeah. something like that. I don't think he's uh, anyway. That's all, that's all we're going to go on Blake Dean Paul Pierce <laughs> analogies. Uh, I'm not even a Celtics fan, but uh, great podcast here. We will be back with like an hour basically of podcast action later this week. We break down every regional, and uh, it's a fun time of the year for all of us. Uh, so thank you all for joining us. DeMarini Demo House Podcast Nook is where we do this podcast every week. 
And when it comes to buying a baseball bat, DeMarini changed the game. Introducing Demo House, where you can step into the cage and hit the latest from DeMarini before you buy. Because there's no substitute for hitting a real baseball or talking to people who know both bats and batting. Your demo time in the cage is free. Get the summer started right and visit your nearest Demo House today. Locations and full details can be found at demarini.com backslash Demo House. For Aaron Fit, I'm John Manuel. So long, everybody. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.